So I need to find that balance or I can't really do anything. I can't be a mom. I can't look after myself or my dogs or even my team, right? So I aim to encourage a healthy work-life balance. And this involves setting clear expectations regarding working hours or taking personal time. Welcome back to Conversations with Zendesk, where we explore new technology and trends in customer experience. Each episode, we speak with industry innovators and experts to hear their thoughts, unpack industry trends, and discuss the most important ideas around CX. I'm your host, Nicole Saunders. Today's conversation is with Erica Tabaknik, Manager of Customer Success for Healthcare in North America at LinkedIn. With 20 years of work experience in customer success, sales, and business development, Erica is a passionate and strategic leader who thrives on building long-term relationships with clients, peers, and partners. She leads a team that helps clients achieve their talent acquisition and retention goals. Previously, Erica was head of customer success for Latin America at LinkedIn, where she set the strategic direction and operational management of a cross-regional team that served diverse clients around various industries. Before joining LinkedIn, Erica worked at Thomson Reuters and Indeed.com, where she managed client service teams and led global projects that drove business transformation and organizational change. Stay tuned as Erica and I talk through the opportunities and challenges facing customer success teams today and how she's leading her team with empathy and compassion. She's got some great wisdom to share with you. But before we get to that, I'm excited to share a little bit of Zendesk news. Relate 2024 is returning with a three-day in-person event taking place at Virgin Hotels in Las Vegas on April 16th through 18th. We're inviting the best brains in customer experience, that's you, to grow your skill set, network, and influence at our in-person flagship conference. I hope to see you there. Secure your spot at $695 early bird pricing through December 22nd. Register now at ZendeskRelate.com. All right. On to my conversation, Erica Tabaknik. Well, Erica Tabaknik's welcome to Conversations with Zendesk. Well, thank you, Nicole. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm so glad to have you on today. So we just heard your bio in the introduction, but I'd love to have you tell us a little bit more about your role. What are you doing day to day? What does your team focus on? That kind. Of- there are seven main areas that I focus on as the manager of uh, a customer success team at LinkedIn. So area number one, customer relationship management, building and nurturing strong, long-lasting relationships with our customers is at the core of our mission. So we aim to understand their unique needs, their goals, their pain points, to tailor our solutions accordingly. So this involves regular communication, check-ins, and active listening, something most CSMs forget to do. Then onboarding and training. So ensuring that our customers are of course, onboarded onto the platform is extremely important. And this includes providing them with the resources and training they need to maximize the value they get of our services, such as optimizing their solutions, creating engaging content, and using corporate features. Then product knowledge and feedback, staying up to date with the company's ever-evolving features and capabilities is so, so important. We serve as a bridge between our customers and our product development teams collecting feedback and insights to help enhance our offerings. So this involves continuous learning and sharing knowledge with the team. Then success planning, number four, we create tailored success plans that outline their objectives 
and the steps that we're going to take to achieve them. So this may involve specific KPIs, potential challenges, proposing solutions to overcome them. Number five, and I'm sure if you're in customer success, you do a lot of this. So issue and resolution, it's important to identify and address any issues or concerns that our customers may have. So we work closely with our support and technical teams to ensure resolution and minimize disruptions to our customers' experience. Finally, data analysis and reporting. So we use data analytics to monitor and track the success of our customers, measuring their engagement and ROI on our platform. We often share insights and reports with them so they understand the value that they're gaining from LinkedIn. And finally, and super important as well, cross-functional collaboration. So we collaborate closely with other departments such as sales, marketing, and product development to ensure that we have a holistic approach to customer success. So this includes aligning our efforts with the overall business goal and the strategy of the company. So my day-to-day activities, they involve a blend of strategic and tactical work. I did a team of customer success managers and together we set objectives, design customer engagement strategies. We ensured that our customers received the support and the guidance they need. Sometimes this is one-on-one meetings, sometimes it's group meetings. I do a lot of coaching and mentoring to share best practices and insights. So just a few things, yes. your, your bucket of responsibility. <laughs> so what kinds of things are top of mind for your teams? I'm going to answer this question, thinking about a customer success team from any specific industry, because I think this is top of mind for all of us globally. And of course, customer retention. This is priority number one. So maintain and grow customer relationships to reduce churn and ensure value. And this is not only about retaining the existing customers that we have, but also finding opportunities for upsell, cross-sell products or services that they might need to achieve their goals. Then customer engagement. And this is important because we're focused on increasing active usage and engagement through personalized experiences, but also through AI-driven recommendations. When we use AI, our customer success teams can tailor the content and feature to keep their customers engaged, driving long-term satisfaction and loyalty. Something else also related to AI, data-driven insights. So there's data all around us, right? So Instagram, podcasts, LinkedIn, news, TV. One of the most important skills to have is to know which data is relevant and important and then how to use it, right? To bring value to the conversation. I could talk to you about so many things, But I was thinking, okay, what is relevant? What would they want to know? What is the audience interested in learning? So leveraging AI and data to gain valuable insights in customer behavior and preferences is extremely important. So AI empowers our teams to identify those trends, predict needs, and provide targeted solutions to our customers. And then we can deliver a more personalized customer experience. Then Proactive support. We've been talking a lot about this, how to differentiate reactive from proactive. How do you do more proactive support? And this is something that a lot of customer success teams are focused on. And not only this, but how to use AI to identify and address potential customer issues proactively and prevent frustrations. Those who can do it well will do it better than others. They're already a step ahead of the curve. And finally, this is also very important. It's not so much related to the customer, but looking internally, team development and internal mobility. Coaching and developing customer success teams to acquire new skills, fostering a culture of learning and growth, and enabling career advancement within the organization. You talked a little bit about differentiating between 
reactive and proactive support and trying to really prevent frustration for customers. What are some of the strategies or tactics that you've seen that work well to do? Some companies actually have different teams that will be responsible for each type of this communications. And then another strategy is to differentiate the customers into segments according to revenue or potential for growth or specific needs or industry or even location. And then according to the type of customer and the support they need, we can develop the strategy that makes sense for each one of them. And it's also important to take a look at ourselves, right? When I use something that I'm a customer, right? The gym that I go to, there are lots of studies that show once you join a gym, the 30 initial days or the three months are so, so important. If you have a good experience, we'll come back and they'll do it again. If not, then how many people here pay gym and they don't go, right? Don't use it. So that experience makes a difference in how we see the value of the services that we acquire. And sometimes a phone call is enough or sometimes I want a personal trainer, but it's important to understand what the customer needs and what value means to them. So what are the, some of the techniques and tactics that your team uses to understand those customer needs? And how do they adjust when a customer is maybe running into a roadblock or a challenge that they're having? That's a great question, Nicole. I won't share our internal strategies, but in brief, we employ a combination of data analysis and proactive communication. So we listen to our customers, analyze their usage patterns, and gather feedback so that we learn insights into their needs and challenges. We also have been engaging with them directly through conferences or roundtables or interviews so that we provide support and guide them to solutions that they need. It's about being attentive and responsive. It's extremely important in a dynamic and ever-evolving industry like LinkedIn. That makes a ton of sense. And it really connects to this idea of personalization, which you know we highlighted in our 2023 CX Trends report as a big thing that customers are looking for. But, you know, we talk a lot about how important it is to personalize things. What are some examples or ways that you think about personalizing interactions or content? I love this topic too. Personalizing content for users. It's a critical component of enhancing their experience on our platform. And there are a few strategies and examples of how we do this. One is our famous algorithm, right? So we leverage advanced recommendation algorithm that takes into account a user's profile, their activities, so where they click, what they like, what they share, things like this, and preferences to suggest relevant content. For example, we provide a personalized job recommendation based on a user's skill and career interests. So the more you use it, the more you train the algorithm to respond to your needs. Content curation, we have a team that curates content feeds, and it's also done automatically based on a user's industry connections, and interests. For example, users will see updates from their network, relevant articles and posts from thought leaders in their field aligned with their interests. Something else you probably have noticed, email and notification. If you're a LinkedIn user, you might get email notifications and in-app alerts as well to inform you about relevant job opportunities, networking events, or content updates. These messages are tailored to each user's interests and activities. What else? Learning and development. LinkedIn Learning. I don't know if you have used it. I love it. And LinkedIn Learning, it offers personalized forms recommendations based on your skills, your career goals, and also your learning history. So it looks at what you're doing and suggests contents and skills that are related to what your goals are. And then it suggests contents and tutorials. Personalized messaging. This is important as well. In our communication with users, we use their profile information 
and interaction history to personalize the message. For example, we congratulate users on work anniversaries or suggest connections based on shared interests that they might have. For those that are premium users, they have additional features. So they receive more insights, more data, often related to their job search, competition, or industry insights. And then advertisers, those that use LinkedIn to market, they can target the specific audiences according to job, title, industry, location. So that everything is personalized and it reaches the right individuals. Well, it's certainly a comprehensive outline of the different ways to do it. And, you know, I think that there's something that we can all learn from those strategies. So turning our attention back to some of the work of the customer success team, I know that customer health scores are a tool that success teams frequently use. Could you tell us a little bit about the way that you think about health score, how, how your customers are doing, and how do you ensure that those scores are telling you something meaningful and useful? I love this topic. I love this interview. And once I had a customer, we were looking at the health scores of our customers and they were looking at the, we were looking internally at our tools and everything was green. Strong user. This wasn't at LinkedIn. It was a different company. So internally, it was a healthy customer. I'm like, wait, this is great. They use it well. Well, past the renewal date, they actually ended up churning. And then when I called, I used to do this. I used to call every customer that churned to get more insights as well. So then I'd call them to understand what was happening. And they're like, well, we had no idea how to use the platform. So we were clicking everywhere and trying to find the information that we needed. So that was a great learning. Sometimes a strong usability doesn't really mean that it's a healthy customer. So we need to understand. And then now answering your question, customer health scores, if well used, they're a valuable tool for customer success teams to assess the overall well-being of their relationships, right? And help us to identify accounts that are at risk. So when we think about the scores, we need to ensure that they provide the meaningful insights that we need to guide our actions. And here's how I would approach the concept. One, data-driven metrics and customization. So customer health scores, they should incorporate both data-driven metrics, but also subjective assessments to provide a a comprehensive view of the health. So this is both usage, support ticket history, for example, but also customer sentiment. I'd recommend customizing the scoring system to align with the unique needs and expectations of your customer base, right? And it's important to know that different industries and customer segments, they may require different metrics and thresholds. Then regular review. It doesn't really help much if you have a score, but you don't use it, right? So make it a habit to use it. So regular review, holistic view. They're dynamic and this scores and they change a lot. So it's important to, that they're updated to reflect how the customer is changing, how their behaviors are changing. So once you create it, ensure that your team revisits the score to keep them relevant, right? And it's important to also adopt a holistic view so that when there is a risk for churn or something is not going that well, we take a balanced approach and provide a more accurate assessment about the well-being of the account. Then collaborative approach. This is also very important. If your system can trigger an alert every time something happens that you can say, oh, this is an opportunity for risk, um, for growth, I mean, or this is a risk. And the way that it triggers an alert for your team to take action, this is beautiful. And then ensure that we work together with sales and marketing and support to align on the strategy, right? I'm a fan of feedback and improvement. Not every customer knows how the score works. So I'm a fan of telling that to the customer. Say, hey, we have this score and it measures this, this, and that. Does this make sense to you? Is this what is important to you? So take this customer feedback inside and change the system if needed 
make sure that it's aligned with what they see as something valuable to them. So when we follow these principles, we can develop and maintain a customer health score that is focused on using data, sentiment, collaboration, and feedback to act together. I love the anecdote that you shared there about how you had a health score that ended up, it looked like the user was really involved with using the platform, but it turned out that they were actually really struggling and that was why they were clicking around. And I think it is so important to be aware of what your data is measuring and what it's showing. I remember one time I was looking at a a website and we couldn't figure out why page views had suddenly dropped so much. And it was because we had implemented a spam filter in a community. And so it was blocking all of the spam posts. And so it looked like traffic was down when in fact what it was is that we had a more accurate reading of the legitimate users that were coming into the site. And so it's always important to dig in and unpack those things and understand where they're coming from. In talking about the health score, you mentioned working with sales and marketing and some other teams. And earlier, you also mentioned the importance of cross-functional collaboration. Talk a little bit about how you go about developing those cross-functional relationships and partnerships with other teams in your organization. When I joined LinkedIn, I got a lot of internal emails from people saying, hey, Erica, welcome to the company. Welcome to our team. And what I did is actually scheduled a one-on-one with everybody that invited me, that welcomed me into the company, into the team, as I wanted to know who they are, what they do, what their goals are, what their KPIs are, how we collaborate together what opportunities we have. Every time there's a chance to meet somebody and talk to somebody, understand what they're doing, what their goals are. I make it a priority to join other meetings as well, understand what the team is focused on, what their objectives are, how the numbers are. So I make it a priority to join their meetings, one-on-ones, and I also share. I share what my goal is, what my numbers look like, what I'm aiming to achieve, and I ask for feedback as much as possible after a project, after a meeting, through email, through teams, and then take action and change or enhance something that can be enhanced. I think you and I think about those things in a very similar way. I'm constantly encouraging people. I tell them, you know, go look at the company directory and find someone whose role you're not familiar with and ask them if you can have a quick Zoom coffee. And I think about it a lot in terms of if you were playing a sport, for example, and you're on a team, you know the function of everybody on that team. And the only way that you can successfully make a play or get to a score is by effectively leveraging all of those roles. But a big company is sometimes, you know, it's impossible to know everybody if you're at a company of thousands or tens of thousands. But it's still important to know the roles and capabilities of as many people as you can so that you can all drive to success together. One of the things that you and I were chatting about before we jumped into recording the podcast today was um, the mental health of teams. How do you think about helping to support your team when times are stressful or, or supporting their mental health? I've learned a lot about this over the last well, almost three to four years now with the pandemic. And there are five strategies that I like to follow to support my team in managing their mental health. So one is open communication. Open communication means creating an environment where team members feel comfortable and safe discussing their mental health challenges with no fear of judgment, right? So that is what I see as open communication is that, hey, Erica, something is top of mind. Hey, I'm concerned about this. I'm anxious about this. Having that ability to do this with the manager is so, so important. And I aim to achieve this through regular check-ins, one-on-one conversations, so they can share their experiences, voice their concerns, and also seek guidance, right? So this helps them and me identify issues, but also promote a culture of empathy and support. 
to work-life balance. So I'm a single mom. I'm from Brazil. I moved from Brazil to the U.S. to Chicago first a year and a half ago. So I need to find that balance or I can't really do anything. I can't be a mom. I can't look after myself or my dogs or even my team, right? So I aim to encourage a healthy work-life balance. And this involves setting clear expectations regarding working hours or taking personal time. I encourage my team to take breaks, disconnect from work when they're actually off, right? Use their vacation days. Something Americans don't do a lot of, I've learned. And leaders can set an example. They can set an example by following these principles themselves and showing the importance of time spent outside of work. Something important for me is also flexible work arrangements. If your company allows people to work remote or flexible hours or have different work weeks. This flexibility helps CSAMs and actually everybody to better manage their professional and personal responsibilities. Offering access to mental health resources such as employee assistance program and counseling services is also important as they provide a confidential and supportive avenue for team members to seek help and guidance when they experience stress wearing out or even other mental health challenges. I use it myself. We have a partnership LinkedIn with a coach therapist that I talk to weekly. Recognizing and appreciating the efforts and achievements of team members is also important for their mental well-being. Feeling valued and appreciated in the workplace can boost morale and reduce stress. I really appreciate what you said about leading by example. It's so important that we all take care of ourselves and that we model those things for our other team members so that they know that it is okay to share or that it is okay to take a break or it is okay to say, hey, I'm going to be away from Slack for two hours while I pick the kids up from I think another way that we can really help support mental health for teams is also making sure that people are staying engaged at work and feel like they're growing in their roles and that things are interesting and challenging. What are some of the ways that you're prioritizing professional development for your team? And are there any resources you recommend for other managers that they can leverage to help support those things? Start by assessing the skills and competences of your team members. Find areas where they can improve and grow. And this can be done through self-assessment tools or peer feedback or performance reviews. Then create a plan, right? So work with each team member to create a, it can be called a career development plan, individual development plan. As long as it outlines their goals and their strategies to achieve them, it's a good plan and a timeline, right? So this will provide them a roadmap for growth. Then learning and training. Foster a culture. This is important that we know that we're committed to learning and growing within the team. So make learning a part of the work environment. Ensure that your team members have the opportunity to learn through doing. They can take on new responsibilities or a new project. They can manage a high-value customer account or lead a cross-functional initiative. Then also mentoring and coaching parity members with mentors or coaches who can provide guidance, share experiences, offer insights. I also look at the skills and then pair them according to skills and things they want to develop so that one person can help the other. So encourage your team members to collaborate with other departments such as sales, marketing, product development. There are often internal opportunities for projects that are, involve all of these areas. Support those team members in joining uh, and attending events, webinars, workshops, speaking uh, if they want, or even 
joining them and learning these events. They provide opportunities to network, to learn about the industry and gain insights. Finally, of course, feedback and performance reviews, regular feedback, performance reviews. This can help us identify areas for improvement and help develop goals. And then I believe that following the strategies and using resources like LinkedIn Learning or other tools can help every person understand where they are, where they want to go, and how to get there. So in thinking about that professional development, what are some of the key capabilities or skill sets that you think help drive success team to success? Embracing change is important and committing to ongoing learning is important. So stay agile, stay open to new ideas, to new approaches, and adapt to different customer needs. Our customers are also changing, right? The industry is changing. The way you communicate is changing. So stay open to changes, adapt. So adaptability and learning. Data-driven, I'm going to go back to data. Leveraging data and analytics is at the core of our decision-making process. So we rely on customer behavior and preferences and insights to make informed customer-centric decisions. So use that data well so that you guide your strategies in alignment with the expectations of your customers. And then customer relationship, a strong customer relationship. This is so, so, so important. Build that. I had a CSM on my team once and his goal was to become invited every customer holiday party at the end of the year. <laughs> and I loved it. Good long-lasting customer relationship is the heart of our mission. Our teams listen, they provide support, they engage, they solve problems. So last question, and this is one of my favorite ones to ask every one of our guests. Have you ever had a standout customer experience or interaction with customer service that you found particularly satisfying or inspiring? It's a good question. So when I was in Chicago, I lived in a high rise and there was a doorman there. Like he, he worked in the lobby, Jose. Jose was even featured in the newsletter as one of the best doormen in Chicago. He would have the music blasting. I think there were, I don't even know how many apartments, like I'd say 500. Maybe I'm exaggerating a bit, but he knew the names of everybody and the kids and the dogs. And he would give treats to the dogs. He would help with groceries. He would help with deliveries, open the door, make coffee every morning. He had coffee for everybody every morning. And he just loved doing it. And when I think about life, actually, or our goals, there is one concept that I love. It comes from the Japanese culture, Ikigai, which is a powerful framework for understanding ourselves, what the world needs, and what we do well, right? So when I think about Jose, I think about this. So he loved his job, right? This is a starting point. It's recognizing the activities, the tasks, the areas of work that excite and motivate you. So find that thing, find that passion. When I'm passionate about something, when I like what I'm doing, I feel more engaged, motivated, and committed to myself, to my role. So he really loved doing that. Then it's what you're good at, right? Your strengths. Try to understand what you do well. Then the purpose. Try to find what society needs or what our customer needs. This is about aligning your efforts with the goals and the requirements of your customers or society or the building where you're at. So then what you're doing is not just the work, it's so much more. And it's easier to be motivated and happier in the end. And I think of him when I was thinking about this question, because for me, is a true, is a real example of that. I think that that is so inspiring. Thank you so much for sharing that story. I hope that everyone can find that intersection point in their lives, because it does really bring meaning to your work and helps create great experiences for others there. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. I really hope you join us for our final episode of the season. Be sure to tune in on December 13th when I sit down with Zendesk CEO Tom Egemeyer for a provocative conversation about the seismic changes in store for CX. 
In that episode, Egemeyer will share his thoughts about how AI will radically disrupt CX and how Zendesk is uniquely set up to help businesses navigate this new era of intelligent CX. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend or colleague, or you could write us a review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much for listening and for being a part of our community. You can always join the conversation at zendesk.com community or connect with other Zendesk users through our user group meetups. Find one for you at usergroups.zendesk.com. Until next time, I'm Nicole Saunders for Zendesk, the intelligent heart of customer experience. Relate 2024 is returning with a three-day in-person event taking place at Virgin Hotels in Las Vegas on April 16th through 18th. We're inviting the best brains in customer experience, that's you, to grow your skill set, network, and influence at our in-person flagship conference. I hope to see you there. Secure your spot at $695 early bird pricing through December 22nd. Register now at ZendeskRelate.com.